0: hello and welcome to another episode of the heart of the matter with rachel brownlee i'm joining you again from my front porch here in Louisville, mississippi and today i'm absolutely delighted to welcome my very first guest pastor scott phillips and i also want you to know that when scott and i were recording this interview from the front porch here the wind was blowing almost uncontrollably so when you hear sounds that remind you of a thunderstorm, just know that it's actually the, the wind rustling the leaves of the big maple trees here in the front yard. So you will enjoy lots of sound effects today and get to hear from a wonderful person. Let me tell you a little bit more about Scott. Scott Phillips has served as the senior pastor for First Presbyterian Church, which is the church that my family and I attend, since 2006 and has been teaching at Grace Christian School for 14 years. He is married to Karen, who is a beautiful, wonderful person and one of my very best friends. And they have four children, Evelyn, Maggie, Jacob, and Noah, all of whom are delightful and exceptional. After high school, Scott set about following his dream of making money and a name for himself. And he chose to study math at Tennessee Tech University in Cookville, Tennessee, where he pursued and received a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering. At the last minute, however, he was led to a new calling through a campus ministry and through his pastor who took pity on him and instructed him in Reformed theology and recognized that God may have gifted him to teach the Bible. Following two years as an intern with Reformed University Ministries at Clemson University, he pursued a seminary education at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. After receiving a Master's of Divinity degree, Scott spent the next four years back at his alma mater as a campus minister to college students, preaching at a weekly large group meeting with the students, leading small group Bible studies, and playing a ton of Frisbee golf. After four years, Scott was called to Louisville, Mississippi to pastor a PCA church. And in his own words, he says, increasingly and painfully and gratefully aware of his own weaknesses, he is glad that God called him to be a pastor because his job forces him to read the Bible and pray a lot. It may very well be that God calls the weakest of his people to be pastors so that they cannot help but be around the spiritual activities of the heart and the avenues through which God gives grace to those he loves. Thank you, Scott, for coming.
1: Thanks
0: for having me. Scott, I am so blessed to get to hear your preaching every week. Through First Presbyterian Church of Louisville And y'all do follow his podcast uh, First Presbyterian Church, Louisville, Mississippi You will not regret it His sermons are such a delight Um, Today, we're not here really for a sermon as much as we are Just to get to know you better And to know about your personal life And how you grew up What life was like for you And what led you to faith in Christ
1: All right, well, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you having me and asking me to jump in. Um, I I grew up in East Tennessee, uh, not that far from Knoxville, but a relatively small town nearby. And uh, my dad was a a charter member of an independent Baptist church. And so we were pretty regularly at the church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, My grandfather, my dad's father, was uh, a a preacher part-time and filled in for pastors' sort of interim-type roles on occasion, so uh, I fairly frequently found myself traveling with him to a church here and there, Um, and I was at Sunday school and vacation Bible schools every summer, so I had a pretty, let's say, if I can use the word church as a verb, churched youth uh, I was a small church our my peers were about six people in the church and we kind of half-heartedly paid attention some I guess uh, but for me uh, all of Christianity could be covered and typically in about three hours a week the Sunday morning window Sunday night window Wednesday night and it didn't really have much impact on the rest of the week. So, uh, Tuesday, faith had very little impact for me. I'll add to that: uh, the, the once in a while, when uh, at home we'd ever, the Bible would come up, it was because I would go to my parents and say, I can't sleep, and my mom would recommend me, read the Bible, and you'll go to sleep soon. And uh, but we didn't read it together we didn't pray together we didn't talk about the faith together in any meaningful sense and, and to be fair I don't really know that much about what my parents believed kind of deep down I, occasionally looking back as an adult there was probably things there that I didn't notice as a child the church I was in was sort of a rural country church and so our Our theology um, came out about every Sunday in the sermons, which was a theology of uh, you should believe the Bible, you should get saved, and you should ask people to come to church. And that was kind of everything for me of what Christianity is. Fast forward a few years, I got to college, and I finally said to myself, I'm going to become a sort of subconsciously. I'm going to become more consistent with my faith, and I quit going to church because that would have been more consistent with what was really going on inside. And I I made a couple of friends, and that was going to be my life: study hard, well, study hard, Uh, study enough, uh, spend time with my friends, get through college, get out, engineering, make some money. That was that was my ambition, and uh, my. Friendship circle had one guy in the group and one girl in the group start dating each other and then they broke up <laughs> and everybody took sides and that meant we were the, the, that unity that friendship was all kind of scattered and so for a number of days I sat in my dorm room alone and I was still in my first semester of college and I didn't know people and I did, I was it was just lonely. And I knew two or three guys had, had uh, graduated from my high school and become part of uh, a, a college ministry that met on Tuesday nights. And so I thought, well, at least I'll know a face. So I went. And uh, one of the things this was in October. One of the things they were planning was a... Uh, hallelujah party because they wouldn't have a halloween party (laughs) so it was you know late october they were going to meet at a farm i thought well, i want to know people so i'll go and what i went to this thing it was on a thursday night and we were at this farm we had a big bonfire going and one of the guys in the group suggested we circle around the fire hold hands and pray And everything about that sounded awful, just terrible. And it was, and and as I'm describing it, it was more awkward to me then than I can put into words. I I really just couldn't believe how uncomfortable I was. But it unlocked something. This was a group of people that prayed on a Thursday. That was pretty new to me. And spending some time with them and seeing something that uh, wasn't part of anything I had associated with Christianity, something where their faith had an impact on them all the time. Uh, now, looking back, like I say, I can see people who were in my church who had that vibrant faith. I was just blind to it completely growing up. And here I was seeing it in peers, and it, it interested me. And then to learn that underneath the vibrant faith they experienced uh, was the substance, theology and doctrine and things that held up their their life oriented about Jesus. And, you know, I got to know those people more and more and they weren't by any stretch perfect or, uh, in fact, we have plenty of trouble with each other, but there was still something underneath all of it that that was supporting their lives and began to support mine uh, because we studied the Bible together and prayed together. What was isolated to a few hours a week as a child started coming alive all the time. It started making sense out of who I was and my experience of uh, people and the world, and it, it became bigger and bigger until it um, competed with my other ambitions of making money and just getting through school. Um, they let me become something of a student leader in this uh, Christian organization I was in, and I got to start interacting with people and teaching some Bible studies and doing some kind of one-to-one mentoring, which is a little bit funny because you know I'm like one year older than this freshman who's coming in. I'm like, let's let me mentor you. <laughs> Looking back on that, that was silly too. But um, anyway, all that to be is is to to start to. interact with the Lord and realize he was there and it started shaping me
0: so that's really cool and do, do you feel that was there a date or a time or an experience that you said okay before this I wasn't a Christian after this I was
1: in, in the my answer is going to be no There were several moments where it was kind of like a a bigger than another step forward, perhaps. Um, I think if you'd have asked me almost any of that time, I would have said, I believe in Jesus. But I don't know what that would have meant. Uh, I was supposed to bring people to churches, What that would have meant when I was in high school. When I got into college, it would have meant that I think that he's true that you can believe what the Bible says even though I really didn't know that much I I knew the Bible stories but I didn't have something that unified or put it together it felt like just this wide collection of stories that largely had a moral to them Um, so I still had really very little doctrine and theology and substance underneath some of the things I was starting to believe Uh, but that was growing and uh, the summer in between my freshman and sophomore year now, okay, so a, a lot of what was coming to faith for me was based on I'm here, I'm around a community of people who believe and practice and and support each other Right. so in May we all go to our separate places and I'm back in my home that summer I'm sitting with all the old circles and And paths I had worn while I was in uh, high school. And I watched that that time where now I'm like seeing the same old habits come up. The same thoughts come up. But there's something new now that fights against that. And uh, I was um, sitting in my bedroom talking to God about that in the middle of the summer one night about midnight and saying to God you know listen I need some I need some help from you I need to know that you're real I need to know that you're there um, I need for you to um, I want to keep walking with you when I don't have people around me and, and, and um, so I guess in some senses that was a big moment but it I look back and I think I, I believed there. I, I, I was already uh, someone who believed in Christ. But that was sort of the moment when I needed to kind of individualize the faith away from, okay, I'm not just part of a community of believers. I've got to believe myself. And the community can support that, but it can't be that for me.
0: I remember my mom telling me that she had to kind of feel that way after my father passed away because they they loved each other, and they loved the Lord together, and they prayed together, and they read the Bible together, and they worshipped together. Right. And then when he was gone, it was a challenge to her to ask herself: Do do I love the Lord in and of myself? Is He real to me, or is that just something I did with Roland? Yeah. So I think I think that's a beautiful and important thing to figure out I hope that there will be listeners here who don't have certainty uh, of what they of whether God is personal to them not that I hope people don't know the Lord but, but I hope that all types of people would want to listen to this podcast people who aren't necessarily convinced that Jesus is Lord that the Bible is truth so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about why it's important to you how your faith has impacted your life how how does it feel to be a Christian and what are some some things that you rely on to convince you that this isn't just some make believe uh, thing that you and lots of other people have made up?
1: All right, let I me. Mean, that's a great question. And uh, I think that um, Christians experience a, a wide range of uh, degrees of confidence in the course of ordinary following Jesus. And so it isn't like a, I got to confidence and now I'm steady. <laughs> uh, but that there's plenty of ups and downs and questions. And, and, and the Bible gives us lots of room to process that and work that out. The Lord dealt with um, and in, encouraged in the Psalms or Lamentations or other places where people brought out their questions, their doubts, their concerns, and, and just interacted about those with him. Uh, for me, a couple of things. So I want to try to follow on two two paths. The first is a bit of my experience. Uh, so a um, couple of years into college, I had started uh, uh, this Bible study that was being led by a pastor of a local small church. The church had just started. It was a year or two old. They were doing a, just a, a college student's Bible study. And he was talking about some... That I hadn't heard from the Bible about how God r- really was in control of all things. But he was, and I think a lot of people will say that, but he was talking about it very specifically what that looked like in the Bible and how it affected our hearts and salvation and everything else. And because it was so big and, well, invasive, you know, if God's really in control, I mean, he's kind of in control of stuff that I'm doing. And yet, I believe in our freedom. I believe in responsibility. I think those two things run side by side according to the Bible. But at the time, I really just went to go argue with them. Uh, and, and then ultimately I kind of lost this argument. I became a part of that church. And I came to say, okay, I really do think that the Bible it, it teaches us that God's in charge of every last thing that happens. And just as I was starting to confess that, my older brother, who was 27 and had been married seven months, died from an ordinary urinary tract infection. He started to feel better, decided it didn't need any attention, but the infection was still there, and because it wasn't treated, it grew and uh, sudden it suddenly died. It was, it was it was devastating.
0: I'm so sorry. That's yeah.
1: horrible. Thank you. Um. It 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 made me ask this question: Can I really believe God is in charge? Because if God is in charge, that means He was in charge of this horrible thing. And um, I was sitting in my house. We had people there, and all the food that comes. And my mother was inconsolable, which is the exact right response and i just went outside and went out into the woods near our house and sat by myself and i started talking to the lord and it it sort of hit me in that moment either the lord really is in charge of this or he's not but if he's not then this is senseless meaningless it's just a worthless pain or perhaps what I've read is true, that God is in charge and that he's good and that even if I can't make sense of this, I can believe that somehow he could be—he ha- could have a purpose that, that I could see his wisdom even if it's not until I see him. And this truth and doctrine that I had once gone to argue with became the only thing that supported me I had to believe that God really did rule everything and manage my pain and have something that could redeem it and and make sense of it and you know later on coming to see that God didn't even keep himself distant from that pain that Jesus comes into the world and sanctifies our pain by participating in it and so if, if your audience listened to you last time and talked, you heard you talk about you know, your grandfather saying Christianity was a crutch for weak people I was weak and this was strength it was a strength from outside of me and um, I was grateful for it and I still am, but I st- now so that's, that's track one. This is my experience. And, and that experience and many like it have informed the way I walk with the Lord. I mean, I, I am convinced. And sometimes I think we'll see in pain and suffering, we'll see the ways that God works things out. Other times I don't think we ever will and sometimes our pain might not even be for us it might be for somebody else and we might not know that either um but i i see this truth that that god who entered into our pain and uses it for his purposes and can be trusted about it supports me now jump around to the other side okay um Sometimes I'm, I'm sitting around driving in my car and I'm thinking about the cost of being a Christian or the cost of being a pastor or the cost that um, we pay in order to, to be a disciple of Jesus. He even says, if you want to follow me, you have to make me more important than everything else. Be willing to lose everything else. And So I'll be thinking about all that's being paid, and I'll be like, but what if this is just a fiction? What if this is just a dream? And then everything I'm doing, every week get up to to preach and talk about the Lord, every time I give people counsel, every time I'm trying to process it in my own life and live it out, it's just, you know, a a great big fiction. So I I think about that. And the thing that keeps coming back to me, and this might be different for everybody else, this is just my, this is what happens, is um, I cannot get past how convinced I am that there was a real man Jesus who really rose from the dead, and that his resurrection demonstrates who he really is. And so, I, and that would be a huge, much bigger conversation to explain why I, came, I come to that conviction. But um, I, I'm, I can't get past the resurrection of Jesus. If he rose from the dead, then he's the real thing. If he's the real thing, then it makes sense of everything else. C.S. Lewis said, I don't just see Christianity. Uh, he says, I see it like I see the sun. Not only because I see it, but by it, I see everything else. And, and I, I resonate with that. It's
0: beautiful. Lewis is such a gift to all of us Um, and he was an intellectual and I would say an atheist and so it's a blessing to be able to work through his thought patterns and see what led him to, to faith in God I really loved hearing from Scott. I am sorry that it cut off abruptly, but I am excited that I recorded another question for Scott about why he believes that the resurrection actually happened. So we're going to bring that back in another podcast. I just didn't want to make the podcast too long. And the thing about me is that I could talk to people forever I could listen to people's story forever and hear their opinions and kind of glean from their knowledge so I am really excited that I still have that next clip for y'all to hear in the future but for now do follow Scott you can reach him at or you can hear from him rather at two places the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts you can find him and on Facebook both in both situations, he's under First Presbyterian Church, Louisville, Mississippi. And you probably should know that we 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 probably should call it Louisville, like Kentucky does. But you know what? We're from Mississippi. We like to do things a little differently, so we pronounce it Louisville, but it is spelled like Louisville. <laughs> and guys, you can also email me at Heart of the Matter Podcast at outlook.com. I would love to hear your feedback. Please let me know if you have any questions for Scott or for me. And I would also be honored if you'd like to be interviewed for this podcast, or if you know somebody who would. So thanks again. And I can't wait to join you again for another podcast of the heart of the matter with Rachel Brownlee.